Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I have a very special guest and friend joining me on the show. He's the host of the Ideal Day podcast and is a well-educated health coach and speaker. Adam Parker, welcome to the show, mate. Lucas, it's great to be here, mate. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So maybe, Adam, do you want to let my listeners know, like, how did you get so fascinated into optimizing human health? Great question. So I think with most people that fall into health, it always starts with a bit of a challenge in their life. So my background, I've come from a the big tech background. So moved to London oh, about 15 odd years ago, started working for the big tech company. I was always fascinated with when I was younger, of the Googles and all these big companies coming up. And so that's where I wanted to go. So as soon as I got to London, I started working for those guys and loved it. Doing the whole, you know, city living, you know, the coffees on the way to work, you know, getting takeout in the office. I did the whole thing, worked really hard. I was in, I was in sales and, and did really well. But towards my late 20s, early 30s, the body just started to fall apart and things weren't working as well. I was getting you know, bouts of anxiety, weight gain, just wasn't feeling my best. And then, you know, and what happened to me was burnout. It's not just like from one day to the next, it's a process. Mm. And as I got worse and worse, you know, I was tired. So I had more coffee or I would get anxious. So I just drink a little bit more alcohol. And then eventually everything just fell apart and I had chronic fatigue, couldn't get out of bed and had to basically take time off. So I was like, okay, clearly lifestyle isn't working, but I enjoy this type of work. There must be a way for me to, you know, be healthy and, and work in this type of environment. So I went to my doctor and, you know, cause obviously I was getting anxious symptoms. I wasn't an anxious person, but I was like, why do I feel like this is weird? Go to the doctor and take this pill. And I knew even at that point, I don't know much on health, but I know I'm not depressed or anxious. It, it, it was for depression, like a mild, like a, like a mild amount, mild dose. And I was like, I'm not. De- I'm definitely not depressed. Like I know I'm not depressed. For some reason, I have this anxiety that comes over me. I'm tired. 
but it's not that. So I thought, right, I better do my own research. And I just really, as you know, Lucas, it's, it's, it's a deep rabbit hole. And I really got into understanding health and you go through different stages. I think anyone who really gets into alternative health, the kind of, and, and I hear this all the time. The first port of call is like, have you heard of bulletproof coffee, the bulletproof diet? Like that's normally the first place where people land. And then people go off on their own tangents and evolutions. For me, it landed around kind of ancestral principles. I thought to myself, okay, there's always these new diets that come and go and these new hacks and stuff. And, and, and I think a lot of them have their place and have a lot of value. Definitely. But I thought to myself, what were we doing, you know, to survive as an actual species, you know, through millennia, well, not millennia, like thousands of years, right? And what were we doing? So that, that's what really got my interest. I thought if I can work out what they did, that might help me. So I ended up getting into the work of Weston A. Price his nutrition, physical degeneration. And I just started applying those principles. And with everything, there's no magic bullet. There's definitely no magic bullet. I'm not saying diet cures everything. It's not the case, but it's definitely a pillar that was fundamental in my recovery. And now it's just, as I'm sure we'll jump into, a lot of those principles are just part and parcel of what I do and is what I now promote to my clients. Mm, yeah, I definitely think it's a, it's an area that's, I guess being neglected to a degree i mean we get so carried away particularly us like i mean i'm talking about myself being like a crazy biohacker i personally even overlook the fundamentals of nutrition because i'm always looking into like different supplements and some other wild experiments but i guess adam let's sort of start with some of those ancestral principles like do you want to explain to my Mm -hmm. listeners like what does that even entail sure so the areas that I really kind of double down on when I think about the ancestral principles is around fermentation. So fermentations of foods and the benefits that they bring and also organ meats. They're the two big ones. A lot of cultures also ate raw foods as well, but yeah, fermentation and organ meats are really the two kind of areas that have for me the biggest bang for buck. And when we think about organ meats, if we look at culture today, it's like organ meats, that's it. They're, they're, they taste a bit weird and they're a bit, you know, they're a bit off-putting, but they have all the nutrition within the animal. They're the most nutrient dense parts of an animal. So again, my logic was like, okay, I need nutrition. Where's the best nutrition? And then you realize, okay, animals highly bioavailable in, in animal proteins but then you go to organs really highly bioavailable so that was my logic and i kind of went on an adventure really i just tried everything at first it's quite off-putting it's like i'd buy a big kind of big cow hearts and it was huge it was massive as big as my head and i remember thinking oh my god this is it's really kind of um it's intense in a way because it's not like you go into a store and buy a burger patty, right? And it's, oh, it's nice. And it's, or I mean, think of the connotations of a steak. It's like, you know, manliness or it's, it's a beautiful cuisine. When you're buying a heart, it's like, I've just bought a heart of a dead animal. It's really visceral, right? So I just started learning how to cook all these different foods or, you know, liver, heart, tongue. Just go to my local farmer at my farmer's market and just, I'd be like, I want everything. And what happened over time, as my body started to register, this is really nutritious and good for you. My perception around those foods changed. Mm. So it was the craziest thing. I went from thinking, oh, this is a bit slimy or a bit, oh, and then eventually I was like, I love this. And I want, and I, and I, I would pride, I would take home like a cow heart or some kidneys or whatever, because I started to feel the value in it, you know, I'd feel better, more energy. So yeah, organ meats is a, is a big thing. And, and when we think about culturally, all cultures have had organ meats in their diet. So if you look now at like the Maasai tribes who are in Kenya and North Tanzania, they basically eat milk, blood and meat. That's basically what they eat. 
So that's the kind of nose to tail eating. Uh, they have honey when they can find it. Uh, so they, they still have those sorts of diets, but you look at, you know, it's all over the world. France, they have foie which is the liver of a goose. China, they like chicken feet and, and tripe. In traditional Inuit cultures, they would give kidney to the children like it was candy because it was sweet. Because again, there was no sugar, right? Um, you'd have hunting cultures would take the heart and the brain and eat that first because they felt that it would pass on the intelligence of the animal to them. So if you go back hundreds, thousands of years, organ meats were prized. They were like the number one thing that, you know, everybody wanted to have in their diets. And if you look at the work of Western A. Price, it's amazing for fertility. It's just across the board. It was it's something that all of these different cultures, when Western A. Price went around, all of them had organ meats within within their diets. Mm. And also I'd like to add to that as well. Like I think whilst we can get so fixated on the fact that these organ meats are really rich in bioavailable nutrients and vitamins, which they absolutely are, and we can, we can dive into that shortly. Um, beyond that is some of the other unidentified like compounds found within these organ meats and mm. maybe perhaps these enzymes or some even peptides or immune modulators. So maybe do you want to dive into, I guess, like, yeah, what makes the nutrients and or like what are some of the nutrients we can find in um, these organ mm. meats? Yeah. I mean, pretty much all, all nutrients. I mean, it, it depends on what you're eating. So a liver clearly is the reigning champion, right? But each individual part of the animal has a different uh, value to it. What I find really interesting is animal organs contain the nutrients that benefit the same organ of those who eat it. So for example, if extreme example, say if you've got eye issues, if you were to eat the eyes of an animal and that's very extreme and I, I've tried it, I've, you know, I'm not gonna do that every day, but again, the nutrients, what you need for that organ to function is within what, what you're eating. So I find that really fascinating. But if we look at, the different types of organs you've got liver, heart, brain, tongue, kidney, tripe, tail, got bone broth. There's a lot there. Just going through, let's start with liver. So liver is the reigning champion, right? If you think about when a wolf kills its prey or a lion kills a gazelle, what's the first thing they go for? The liver instinctively. They don't even touch the muscle meat. They just leave that. That's for the hyenas. So the liver is nature's multivitamin it has everything in there and also in the bioavailable design essentially because if you think about vitamins and minerals in plants they're there but they're not as bioavailable so if you think about vitamin a vitamin a is in carrots since i like eat carrots good for your eyesight and that's true in carrots the vitamin a is beta carotene yeah. And the vitamin A that we need is retinol. So there's a conversion process and conversion process does depend on your genetics. You might be a great converter of beta carotene to retinol. In liver, straight up retinol. It's like ready to go, bioavailable, like fantastic. So within the liver, you've got obviously retinol, you've got choline, which is great for brain and the cell membrane great for just general brain function, zinc, which is good for hormone production, copper, which what we kind of talked about before we jumped on, basically is great for everything. And B12 for methylation, folate as well. So liver is just amazing. And yes, it has a taste to it, but you can make it taste amazing. I mean, liver pate is brilliant. Like you can make liver pate or you can just fry some liver up into some onions and some mushrooms. So liver is kind of the powerhouse that has everything in it, but then you can move to things like the heart. So we talked about that earlier. So cow heart, that is high in CoQ10, which is powerful antioxidant. It's great for stopping oxidation of LDL cholesterol. So that's just great in itself. It's also a muscle meat. And I think a lot of people that are looking to transition into, okay, organ meats are sound interesting. Sometimes liver can be a little bit 
kind of hard to swallow literally at first. So you, you can go to these like transitional organs, which are the heart or the tongue, their muscle meats, even though they're seen as organs. So they have a higher nutritional value than just standard, standard meat. So heart has loads of CoQ10, which is great. That's great for improving ATP production. The tongue is amazing. The tongue is a muscle meat. It's high in collagen, which is cool, and folate and B9. So again, each different part of the animal has a different value. You've got the brain, which again, I don't have that every day, but it's nice to have on occasion. High in omega-3s, high in choline, high in retinol. It's actually composed of 60% fat. It's kind of like scallops, like a really kind of, you know, that kind of omega-3 kind of vibe taste. It's very, you can, it's very kind of strong in that, in that respect. It's actually the fattest organ within the body as well. So that's cool. Kidney, kidney's beautiful. And I actually, when I first tried kidney, I wasn't really into it. I was like, oh my God, it's a bit, it's a bit slimy. I don't like it. And of all places, I went pigeon clay shooting and so I'm, I'm just shooting some clays, clay pigeons. Yeah. Started talking to the instructors. Like, oh, yeah, I'm into, I'm into my organs. He's like, yeah, yeah, He used to be a butcher, this guy. He's like, oh, I was a butcher. I know. And he said, what you need to do, chop it up, fry it in some butter. It's beautiful. And I, I, and I was like, that was the game changer. It was like these little, little sausages. Anyway, kidney's great. It's high in the DAO enzyme, D-A-O enzyme, which is great for breaking down histamine. It's high in selenium, high in B2, high in B12. So all of them have their own nutritional values. And really what I try and do, I don't just stick to one organ meat. I just, I always just keep mixing it, mixing it up and trying new things. I mean, again, I, I live near a really good butcher and I've got a good relationship with them and a farmer's market. Whenever they have lamb testicles, I'm all over it. I'm like, why not? Because it tastes great. And again, when we talk about that, the, the organ contains nutrients that benefit the same organ of those who eat them. If you're eating testicles, you know, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of studies that shows it benefits male fertility and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, loads of different organs all have their own nutritional values. And again, when you compare their nutritional value to uh, the likes of just standard muscle meat, you just can't can't compare. Mm. And also as part of that, I guess, Adam, maybe do you want to explain to my listeners in terms of the dosages and the amounts? Like, for example, I spoke to a, a friend the other day and he said he's been having like 200 grams of liver every day. Mm. Um, so maybe do right. you want to explain that these, you know, organ meats, they're very rich in these nutrients, but then we also have to be careful of like actually overdosing like it's actually possible to overdose on these organ meats. Yeah. So I think that definitely, you definitely have to take that into consideration with liver. It depends who you talk to, right? Because if you, I'm sure you've seen uh, liver King yeah. on, have you seen liver King? He's an absolute beast. Love his work, but he's, he's all into having liver every single day. And it works for him. Obviously he has, I think he has like raw liver, but again, he'll have a small amount. You'll have a, a, smart, a tiny amount. I don't recommend having liver every single day in large amounts because it, it is a powerhouse. You do hear occasionally of vitamin A toxicity, but again, that's with, if you like polar bears, livers are insanely high in vitamin A. I've never personally had any issues with liver. Again, I, I wouldn't have it every day because it's quite expensive for, if you get good liver from a butcher or you know, a good source, they're not that cheap. And for me and my research, I just do liver once a week. Mm. And I think that's fine. Really with the other organs, I think, you know, we're not going to eat the same thing every single day. So the reality is most people, if they try hearts, they might have it, you know, once or twice a week and then mix things up because we, we don't like, we don't eat steak every single day. Right. Some people do, but again, you, you mix up, your, 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 your diet varies. So if you just have that kind of mindset, I don't think there's, there's much of an issue. But with, with liver, I would just say once a week it is ample because, again, it's a powerhouse and it's all you need, really. What sort of amounts would you be having per serve? 
So I normally, I, I don't know what in terms of the actual amount. So when, when you normally get a uh, liver, you just get a, you just get like liver, a strip of liver. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know the volume. I just, <laughs> I just like, yeah, I have, I have, a, I have one of them. They, they come in like pre-packaged forms and that will last me. I'll, I'll make probably, that'll be two portions because I'll, I'll add in onions and, and, you know, mushrooms or whatever. And then that kind of bulks it out and I'll, then I'll eat one straight away and then I'll freeze the rest. Mm. Um, but it's not, it's not massive volumes. It's not like you're not eating pounds and pounds and pounds of it. It's like, it packs a punch. Do you know, you know, so it's, it's yeah. As I said, once a week, maybe twice a week, if you buy liver, it will come in like a, you know, it, they cut, it come in nice slices. Cause if you think of like a calf liver is massive, it's like an absolute, It'll be huge, but they, they they chop it into nice thin slices, and then you normally buy one or two slices if it's you know from a if it's prepackaged, it's definitely like a slice in in general. So mm. yeah, I don't have exact measurements. I just go <laughs> I just go off what, how it's sold. Yeah, and before you mentioned consuming the brain, now that's the only mm. organ meat that I've personally never tried, uh, okay. but I'm looking forward to it. But I'd like to learn more about that, like in terms of. First of all, like what color does it go when you cook it? Yeah. So there's different ways to cook it. So you, a lot of people poach brain. Poach in is, water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll poach the brain. Yeah, which is crazy, right? So it basically, it goes like a kind of whitish color when you cook it. So you can poach it and then take it out and eat it poached, or you can poach it and then fry it. I just fry it in butter. And it's not long. It takes probably two minutes either side do you cut um, it in half or well it depends on the brain right so if you're if you're buying a lot of the organs that i have is from lamb so if you're having like lamb brain they're pretty small they're probably like i don't know like like a little kid's fist really small yeah so i would just probably chop it in, in half and then throw it on the on the pan fry it up in some butter add a bit of salt on there and then it's done within like a minute or so. Um, mm. But yeah, that, that is, that is very nice. And again, it's high in omega threes, choline, vitamin A, it's very fatty, kind of got that fish flavor to it. Again, uh, you know, with the price of organs, some of them are super cheap. Like for example, a cow heart is massive and I can buy that at the farmer's market for five pounds. So I don't know, I don't know what that is in dollars, but it's, and it, it's enough meat to like feed you for like a week. It's like, it's ridiculous. Or kidneys, kidneys are cheap. I think when you're sourcing organs, if you get a good relationship with your farmer, um, you can get them super cheap. Nowadays here in the UK, there's a lot of this online, you know, like butchers that deliver to your door. They charge a markup cost just for being online and just for delivery. But if you go to a local farmer's market, you start talking to the farmer. You know, I, I literally talk to them, get them on email, and then I email them, say, hey, you know, you're taking any, any animals to slaughter this week? They'll be like, yeah, we've got a cow, we've got, you know, a pig. And I'll be like, great, I'll take this, 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 and this, <laughs> you know, and then I'll go collect it. And it's for them, it's, it's the offcuts. It's super cheap. Um, so it's not a lot of money with brain is different brain. It's interesting. Some organs are harder to source. I don't know why I think within the UK, there are very strict rules around the quality of organs. If they see any sign of, you know, disease or whatever, they, they just, they have to throw it away for some reason, brain is harder to come by here. Mm. And also as part of that, Adam, I was just thinking like being someone who's like experimented with so many nootropics and, and, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that. What I'm really curious of is like how I subjectively feel after consuming brain. I'd like, I'd love mm-hmm. to get your insight. Like, have you noticed feeling a, a shift in your cognition or like a change in your mood state following, you know, brain? I would say there's no like, because what I love about supplementing and experimenting, you know, with nootropics, you get an instant like, whoa, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm in the zone. You don't get that with organ meats. But what you do get is when you compare yourself from like a week ago or a month ago, you definitely notice I'm, a, I'm in a lot better spot. 
you know, there's no instant like bang. This is like, because in a weird way, I think when I take supplements, you're looking for like a little bit of a buzz. Mm. Well, I certainly am. Right. But with organ meats, it's, you'll be doing, you'll be living your life and all of a sudden you'll be like, Oh my God, it's feel, it's got more energy and, and uh, I'm sleeping better. And, you know, it's just how nature intended it to be. So mm. I eat brain. I'm not going to instantly be like, I'm buzzing, but is my clarity, my mental, my mental processing better? Can, can words come to me quicker? When I eat organs in my diet, everything just seems better for me. And that's because you just get the nutrition in, right? You, you're getting the nutrients that you need in its bioavailable form. So, yeah, I'm, you know, considering when I was in kind of corporate London and burnt out and my digestion was terrible, mm. it was awful. I compare myself to like now and I'm like, I'm like, it's night and day and how I feel and my energy. And so, again, you, you could say I had anxiety. That's to do, it's to do with many things, the gut, the brain. That's non-existent, right? Is it because I'm getting the right nutrition? Most likely lifestyle change. Again, it's not just nutrition, as we know, there's never a magic bullet. So yeah, as I said, you don't get an immediate, it's not like I eat kidney and I'm like, oh my God, my kidneys just feel, you know, it's not, it's nothing like that, but it's my overall general health is so much better, so much better, you know? So from thinking, you know, weirdly, I was chatting to, for my podcast, I was chatting to Sally Fallon Morrell, who's written the Nourishing Tradition books, and she was saying that she had some heart kind of murmurs or issues and she just increased the amount of heart she was having and it went away. And I was like, that's just crazy. Obviously I'm a young strapping man, so I don't, I don't yet have any heart issues and I don't think I ever will. But again, I, I just think, you know, having these foods in the diet for me, it's a no brainer. It's like, where's the nutrition in the organs? I eat the organs, I get the nutrition, you know, and it's the challenge is we have this plant-based focus now where it's like, you know, it's trendy to be plant-based. And if you're not really into, and listen, there are some people out there that are in the health space and are like, it's all about plants. And, you know, I respect anyone's view and what they, what they, how they want to eat and what they want to believe. And my view from my research is nutrition's in the organs, they're bioavailable and, you know, it's, it's the biggest bang for buck and it's worked. It's worked for me. Mm. It certainly is a, a no brainer, no pun intended. Um, mm. But Adam, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to get your opinion on um, veggies. I know you just briefly mentioned it towards the end, but like now what's your perspective on like how to integrate veggies into your diet? Yeah. Well, listen, I think going down the rabbit hole, that is health you end up coming full circle, right? And you've got your carnivores, the other side of the spectrum, you've got your vegans, you know, they're very extreme diets. And you know what? I would say they're tools and they have their place. Because actually, I would say eating loads of vegetables is very detoxing and it's good for you. Eating meats, is very good for building up the body. So I think they can have their place as a tool, similar to like the ketogenic diet. I don't think it, for me, I don't think it's a diet that just to be strict keto forever, I don't think it's healthy. Again, look at our ancestors. They would float in and out of ketosis. So when I think about vegetables, they have their place and they have, they are, you know, part of a good diet. But when you think about nutrition, I don't think they're the powerhouse that they're sold to be. There was a really interesting study by the University of Texas in 2004, and they compared vegetables, the nutritional value of vegetables from the 1950s up until 2000. So this is 20 years ago. And they saw across the boards a 30% decline in nutritional values of vegetables. And you've got to think, okay, cool. So why is that? And it comes down to soil, the nutrition's in the soil, and then that nutrition goes into the plant. And if we're not treating the soil and, you know, doing traditional farming practices, the nutrition of the vegetables isn't going to be there. So 
vegetables don't have the nutrition that they used to have. It's like I, you always hear about, you know, a carrot 50 years ago had 10 times more whatever than the carrots. Of today. And it, it's true across the board because of modern day farming practices. That's not to say that plants don't have their place. They definitely do. And actually, when we talk about fermentation, you can 10x the nutrition of certain plants by fermenting them. 100%. So again, I think they have their place. I eat loads of vegetables for sure. Um, you just want to make sure that they're organic. They don't have any pesticides on them. It's similar to, I was chatting to someone about smoking yesterday. We're going a bit off topic here, but smoking, if you go, if you think about smoking done through culturally through different, throughout history, different cultures, smoking was never a bad thing. Smoking tobacco wasn't unhealthy. What's made smoking unhealthy is how the tobacco is created. It's processed, right? It's junk tobacco. It's full of chemicals. That I think is the biggest issue. I don't smoke, FYI. But, you know, if you look at these different cultures, they all smoke tobacco regularly and never got lung cancer. So why are we getting it now? It's, so it's just interesting to look at these comparisons, you know. Anyway, sure. Um but yeah, I think vegetables have their place. I have a lot of them, make sure they're organic, but I also realize they don't have the nutrition that they once had. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like the fermentation aspect. I'd love to, I'd love to dive into that. Like how do you approach the fermentation aspect when it comes to like nutrition? So this again, was another big shift when I was really researching nutrition and you know, we all go through kind of supplement phases. I still do. I love trying supplements and always trying to, like, I'm always trying to get those incremental one or two percents in, in all areas of life. So I'm still trying new things. But I think diet is such a big pillar to everything. And when you can start um, implementing things that worked for a very, very long time within our existence, right? So when you think about fermentation, Again, it's fallen out of favor. So it's good to understand why that is. Essentially, we had to ferment food because if we didn't ferment food and preserve food, there was no foods in the winter, right? You know, the winter was coming, foods wouldn't be around. We'd have to preserve the food. Nowadays, we have fridge freezers, we have fridges, we have preservatives in food. We have the rise of processed food. I don't know if you've ever seen on, it's like a meme on Instagram, like McDonald's burgers that are like 10 years old and looks the same as the day they bought it, right? Crazy. And the reason for that is because today's food is sugar laden and it's dead. There's nothing to it. If you go back to the food that are, I wouldn't even say our grandparents ate, I'd say our great grandparents ate, it was it was nutrient dense. It was full of enzymes, full of probiotics, completely different setup to how they ate. So they had to ferment the food. And part of that, it had amazing health benefits, probiotics being one of them. And now what do we see? Everyone's got digestive issues because again, we're not feeding the microbiome. So for me and my journey, I was like, okay, cool. I first got into like probiotic bottles. I was like, right, cool. Get this probiotic. And then even within the probiotic supplement games, like, oh, this is the latest probiotic. I was like, yeah, get the latest one. And this does this. It's different from this one. And, you know, I remember trying like, and there are some great probiotics out there. Just Thrive. I think they've rebranded. Anyway, they have a spore-based probiotic. You don't have to put in the fridge. You take it. There are some amazing probiotics out there. But they do not compare to the probiotics of fermented food, like do not compare. And when I started adding them into my diet, everything was really, you know, moving up a notch. Another good reason I used to have really bad digestive issues. Right. And then I I discovered digestive enzymes. This, oh, Oh my God, everything's amazing. Now I can digest my food. And then when I discovered sauerkraut, I was like, it does it does what those digestive enzyme tablets do, but 10 times better. Mm. So then is I, I can make some, I can make a month's worth of sauerkraut for five pounds, <clears throat> or I can continue buying these big 
branded, sexy, you know, digestive enzymes, you know? So Mm. it really upped my game in terms of digestion. And also again, that the vitamins and the minerals, because they are 10 X in fermented food. Mm. Speaking of minerals, Adam, what about the salt aspect? I know that's like an area that's been debated for years in terms of like Mm. excess salt, different types of salt. Maybe do you want to weigh in on, you know, the importance of salt, not only in fermentation, but for general health. Yeah, sure. Well, when you ferment foods, you always need a starter culture. Mm. So starter cultures would be like whey, high in lactic acids. So there's different types of fermentation. There's lactic acid fermentation, which is in sauerkraut and, you know, things like yogurt, sourdough bread. So you need a starter culture. Or you might have what they call a scooby, which is symbiotic, a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. So that's a scooby, and that'll be for like kombucha. Or you might have kefir grains for kefir. So they're like things you can use. Starter culture might be might be way. If you don't have a starter culture, you can use salt. Now, that's what you'd use for sauerkraut. So what that does is it lowers the pH and creates the right conditions for lactic acid and that bacteria to thrive. So fermentation has to be in the absence of oxygen. So in an anaerobic condition, and that's where these beneficial microbes. So the yeast, the molds, the bacteria, that's when they thrive. So you need to add salts or it's called a brine. If you're going to do sauerkraut or ferment vegetables. So that's good for you. And actually when you ferment in salts, if you ferment it long enough, the bacteria eat the salt. So it's not salty at all. Mm-hmm. And actually another really interesting fact is when there are like oil spillages out, you know, when like, okay, like every 10 years is like an oil tanker yeah. spills and all the, all the little birds are like, you know, swimming, you know, like all the sob story thing is, it's, it's obviously awful, but you see these animals all like covered in oil and they're like scrubbing them down. What they do to disperse the oil in the sea is they'll throw essentially probiotics or microbes that will eat the oil. So when this is really interesting. So when I buy sauerkraut, you know, a lot of my clients are like, do I need to get organic? And, the, and I was like, no, you don't need to. You, you can buy the dirtiest, like, you know, chemical laden bit of cabbage because the microbes will eat all of the pesticides. Yeah. They'll eat it all. And I thought it was fascinating when I learned that, but salt in general is really important to the diet. Um, mm. Again, what does it have? Okay, take a step back. Let's look at between good salt and bad salt. Processed table salt is a no-no. It's processed. It's void of any nutrition. Your traditional salts, they're super healthy. Why? Because they have what we need. They have the minerals within them. The more I learn about health, I realize minerals are such a big component. Mm. So I talk about fermentation. I talk about organ meats. They're highly packed with vitamins and minerals and as i evolve i'm like it's that's such a big part of it and in the the diets we have today that's what we lack we just don't have the vitamins or the minerals so again salt has minerals that the body needs and again you can you can get salt from all over you can get brands that i love is um redmond's real salts they're based over in utah so it's it's an ancient lake they're cool getting into a bit of Icelandic salts at the moment because oh, yeah. that's, yeah. So that's interesting. Very white, very pure. You've got Celtic sea salt all have their own slight varieties in the mineral balance of what they offer. But again, it's, you know, it's an electrolyte. So it's good for, you know, if you're getting cramps, for example, probably need more minerals. So yeah, salt is very important. And the problem is, I think if, when you go on a health journey and you really get into it, you have to re-educate yourself because we're taught things through culture that you just don't question. And it's passive. It's like, oh, it's too much salt's bad. Or you'll see an advert for a low fat yogurt. So then you'll just make the assumption, oh, okay. So high fat must be bad. So why why would high fat be bad? Probably because fat is bad. You just make all these assumptions, these, 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 you know, you assume things. And actually it's the exact opposite. Yeah. So yeah, salt is good. Definitely one to have. And and again, it's, it's part of the process when you're making things like sauerkraut. For sure. For sure. 
Well, salt actually literally saved me from passing out the other week. Um, oh, wow. I was so, I mean, I, I had like a really crazy fever. I was like sitting at like 39.5 degrees for like three days. And my dad was going to take my blood pressure because I was, I have a history of low blood pressure. And the only thing that like kept me conscious was like, I had to rush into the kitchen tell my dad, like, go put some salt in some water and yeah. a bit of sugar as well. And I just shotted that back. And, like, it was just in the nick of time. Like, otherwise I was wow. going like, to pass out. But, um, yeah, I think people forget about salt being, like, a crucial electrolyte, not only for, like, maintaining well, maintaining blood pressure, but also supporting the adrenals. Like, that's, yeah, you know, an organ that's neglected quite a lot. I kind of feel nowadays that the world we live in there's so many kind of harmful elements to it that you really have to take responsibility on understanding what works for your body so is it the nutrients depleted foods of the vegetables that we eat in the supermarket or you know the takeaway food that we get don't get me wrong it's like it's like pleasure town, right? When you have all these foods that you can get either delivered straight to the door, or you go to a restaurant, it's cool. You can Instagram it. That's all great. But ultimately it's, it's not great in terms of health. Then you've got electromagnetic fields blasting us from here, there and everywhere. We're indoors all day. We're not, you know, again, and light is such a good nutrient, you know, to just be out and that. I mean, obviously you're, you're in Australia, so you get loads of it in the UK you know, few and far between we see sun, but again, just getting out of natural light, our lifestyles and our environments now promote poor health. I can understand that, you know, one and two people get, get cancer. You know, I don't like how like here in the UK, it, it's weird how the programming, they promote it. So that we have these like stand up to cancer awareness campaigns on TV. And it's like one in two of us will get cancer. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. And that, that's just them programming because then there'll be people watching TV like, oh, God. You'd be there with your partner like, oh, well, one of us will get it. You know, one of us will get it. You know, and there's, there's no education on how not to get it, you know. And you got to think like 200 years ago, it was like one in 200 got cancer. So why are we all getting cancer now? And it's, it's our environments and our lifestyles, right? Mm-hmm. So me and my kind of exploration on food and it's not, you know, I haven't just focused on food. I focus on many things, but food is such a big pillar. Mm. I've been like, okay, how are we eating today? How did we used to eat when we used to eat that way? We weren't as sick. So I'm going to try that and see how that works. And it's working for me. But again, it's not, it's not popular within culture. It's not trendy. And look, a lot of my friends who aren't into health think I'm weird. They're like, not weird. Weird's the wrong word. They think I'm extreme. They're like, oh, well, we off. you're just a bit extreme with what you eat. I'm like, well, okay, you can call it extreme. I think it's traditional. I think it's what we used to eat. But again, it's when you're plugged into mainstream culture, when you do things that are outside the norm or the narrative, people tend to be like, I don't know that. That's different. And I understand that. And for me, it's like, I just try and set the example. And if people are inspired by what I do, I'm happy to like talk about it. If mm. not, it's just like, you do you, I'll do me. But in general, this way of eating, I feel is the way to eat. Mm. Just keep it as our ancestors did. You think about they were living in tribes and living off the land. They didn't have any marketing ads or promotional campaigns to sell them stuff to make them feel, oh, this is cool. This is trend. This is a trendy diet. I sh-. They literally had to survive. And through generation upon generation, they worked out the optimal way to survive, whether mm. through fermentation, whether through farming practices, what types of organs within the animal to eat. They perfected it over thousands of generations to be the optimal way to live. So for me, it was like, that makes sense. And that's why I you know, got into it. Mm. Yeah. And I guess like your approach is really about maximizing nutrient uptake, minimizing disease and general like sickness, but then also like nourishing your body with the nutrients to promote 
optimal performance, whether that be like being focused at work or recovering from exercise. So I'd actually be curious to know, Adam, what would be like your one, if you had to give my listeners like one tip when it comes to nutrition, what, what would that be? It would be eat a traditional based diet. And what is that? I would read the book by Western A. Price, Nutrition and Physical Generation, or just follow the Western A. Price Foundation. They do some great, great stuff over there. And look, it takes a lot of re-education, but it's literally you have the best energy, the best digestion. And again, as I said, there is no magic pill or silver bullet or whatever the saying is but i would say you know try eat as close to what our ancestors did and it doesn't take a lot with sauerkraut for example or kefir i don't have a lot of it i have like a condiment size once a day it's a small thing it's just adding bits in it's not completely changing the diet completely it's just adding these little things in and where you can make it yourself, don't buy it from a supermarket because if you buy like sauerkraut from supermarkets, it's normally pasteurized, mm. which is unhealthy. You can make it easiest thing to do. Go on YouTube. There's like thousands of videos of people making preserves and ferments and just, you know, if it takes interest, try that. But there's so many different things you can do. You can do kefir, you can do sauerkraut, kombucha, yogurt. You can just ferment milk, kimchi. If you're feeling a bit more exotic, it's more of a, it's a kind of level up from sauerkraut, but all of these things definitely help and they have insane benefits. I mean, we've, we've just things on, on ferments, it neutralizes anti-nutrients. So if you have sauerkraut, it will neutralize the phytic acid that you'll get in things like nuts and seeds and grains. Wow. Again, the average Joe He's not, he just eats a normal diet. Mine, I know what anti-nutrients are, but as people get more into, more into nutrition, they start to see that some vegetables have anti-nutrients in them because they're the plant's defense chemicals, don't want to be eaten. And, you know, things like fermented foods can mitigate that. It's insane benefits that they just pack a punch, these foods. And then you've got the organ meats. They have all, you know, more minerals and vitamins and, for example, kidney has the Dow enzyme to help with histamine issue. So if you've got a histamine issue, you can go and take your antihistamine pills or just go straight to the, the source and just eat kidney, you know? Mm. And also as part of that, Adam, I guess like for my listeners, like I would also add to that just to build that level of self-awareness, like how do you feel on your existing diet and is it serving you across all areas of your life. For example, let's say somebody does decide to incorporate some of these organ meats, like what changes have they noticed? Like, have they noticed an impact in their stool quality? Have they noticed changes in digestion or mental clarity, energy? I think that's a really critical one for my listeners. Yeah. When I compare my life to where it was, when I was uneducated and just living a you know, normal life and just doing what everyone else does. And I'm not saying that isn't that normal setup. Isn't like some people can live off that and be fine. My body, my genetics, I, my body's broke down. And I think a lot of your listeners will probably be on a health journey. So they're probably might be in a similar boat, but when I compare myself to then and now it's like night and day, like my digestion is, there's no issues with my digestion, like zero. And there were days when it was just, oh my God, it was just ruined. And I remember thinking, because I, I was eating like what, what was deemed to be a good diet and my digestion was terrible. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? I couldn't work it out. So yeah, I'd say definitely have the awareness. It's not like, as we were talking earlier about brain, it's not like an instant, oh my God, I feel amazing. But when you start incorporating these foods into your diet and then you do that comparison from like day one to day 30 you'll be like oh wow like that's that rash is gone or i'm not bloated as much or and then it's just gradual and it just compounds over time Mm. so you know i just i think when you're in that real depth of despair and you're not well 
you just want it to go away and you think, Oh my God, I just feel so great when it's gone. And, but then, you know, things don't happen in a heartbeat. It, they take time. Then it was when you look back and you're like, Oh, okay. I, I, I'm not bloated anymore. I don't have anxiety. It's just, it's not there. It's just, it's just slowly disappeared. As I said, there's no magic bullet. Food isn't a magic bullet. It's a big part of it. There's all other bits, but it definitely is a huge factor. And yeah, I would just say have diaries and compare over time. You'll notice the changes. Hmm. So Adam, I guess for my listeners, if they want to um, either connect with you or, or learn more about your podcast, like where can they find you? Sure. So yes, I have a podcast, the ideal day podcast. It's all things, personal development and health and nutrition is a big part of it. So you can find the podcast on all the major platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So uh, whack that in the search and you can check out there. My Instagram tag is at your ideal day. And my website is your ideal day.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to leave those linked in the show notes for those listeners. But Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Lucas, it's been a pleasure to connect with you, mate. And uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed chatting all things ferments and organ meats with you. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.